so, so really, actually, the process actually began back in October. Um, if you're on the crash, and if you don't even know what the crash is, the crash is what we call our membership here at K2. Uh, back in October, we had a huddle. We meet once a month, uh, uh, now on Wednesday nights, where we get together, and we actually spent that evening just talking together as the members of this church and asking um, the core people who really make this church happen, what, what do you um, see that you feel like needs to happen? What's going well? Where are we missing it? Uh, things that you want to work on. And then uh, we took all that information uh, as a management team. We went uh, away on a two-day uh, retreat, um, and we just, we just prayed really hard. Um, just so you know, I mean, it is clear in the Scripture that actually Jesus Christ is the head of the church. That's his position. That's who he is. And even our theme verse from before we launched, our theme is to say, if, it, if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it'll fail. But if it's of God, you won't be able to stop these men because you'll find yourselves fighting against God. And so our deep desire and our goal in everything that we do is to say, man, if we can make sure that this is God's idea, if we're connected enough to him that we can actually get his leading and receive what he wants, God accomplishes his purposes. No one thwarts God. So really, our main goal as the leadership of this church is to simply be in touch with him and then to flesh out what we feel like he tells us. So that's what we did. And then we brought that information back. We met with the spiritual advisory board and shared it with them. And, then, and, then, uh, and that's kind of been the process of what I want to share with you today. And what's interesting is when we started the church, we had a little mantra. And one of the things we realized when we were away is we don't use this as much as we used to. In the first year, we used to say it all the time. But enough of you hopefully are in here who know it. Okay, so our mantra is we're focused. All right, that was better than I thought. Thank you. I'm encouraged. I can go home. All right. <clears throat> And what that means is we're focused on Christ, we're seeking to be tight with each other, and then we're trying to be outside of these walls um, into our community. And one of the things we realized when we went away um, is that nothing's changed. We've been in existence now for three and a half years, we're in our fourth year as a church, and, um, and that's, we're not going to really share much new. Now, new ways that we're going to implement it, but the heart and soul of this church is still, we want to be focused and we want to be tight. And we want to be out there. Um, when I did finish my degree in seminary, I, I did my last project on just what is the church, the essence of the church. And that's really the three things. That's what makes a body of people that come together a church. Is that you, you focus on Christ, you worship him, you try to love each other, and then you're not about yourself. And that whenever a body of people do that, that's a church. And you know why it's the church? Because that's Christ. That's what Christ was. Christ constantly focused his whole focus and mission was to love his father, period. That's what he did. Love his father and do whatever his father told him to do. And then he loved people like nobody else has ever seen. And then he was on a mission. And he had a reason and a purpose. So as the body of Christ, that's what we need to be about. And so what I want to share with you today, uh, first off, are just, and kind of I'm going to actually start from the out, I'm going to start with the out there piece and then move um, into tight, and then I'm going to talk about the focused area. Um, and, and it was funny, when we, when we started uh, the church and we, we, people wanted to know who we were, when we would say out there, that was always the piece that, you know, people didn't get. Because sometimes it feels like we're just out there, you know, like, like this drama. But um, what it really means is this, two things. That we want to have hands-on care for those who are in need in this community. And we want to be committed to reach as many people as possible with this amazing news from God. That God would send his son, Jesus Christ, into this world 
to take care of the problem that was keeping mankind separated from God. That the best news in all the world, you guys, is there's not a second of any day that you ever have to live alone. That you can actually have the living God inside your being. And that's life. We were never meant to be separated from God. And the greatest news, what we're trying to do as a church, is to say we want to let as many people know that if you're out there and you're living on your own and it's not working, that God has taken care of what separates you from him through Christ and that you can now be in relationship with him and that that relationship lasts forever. And that's what it means for us to be out there. So, in the first one, let me just hit a little bit about the compassion side of our, of our church. Last year, if you were here in January, we just shared that we realized as a church that we just weren't doing a very good job in this. And, in fact, we, in our own meetings, we just said, you know, let's either take it out of the uh, job description or let's really do it. Or job description. Uh, what would that be? Mission statement. Uh, let's either take it out of the mission statement or let's really do it. And, and I just want to tell you, I feel like a year from now, uh, it's a year later, and I, I believe we're a really different church in, in this way. One of the best things we did is hire Bonnie Strickland. Uh, yep, Bonnie's awesome. Anybody who's been working with her, she just bleeds this and she lives it out and she's contagious to be around um, as far as giving your life away to, to help those who are in need. Um, so we've continued our ministries at the rescue mission and, and, and feeding the homeless down in, and at the park. Um, we've really, as you, if you were here to hear the announcements, we've been uh, working hard at this partnership with the Dream Center. Um, which is a ministry over on the west side of the, of the city. And one of the things we do is this open door after school program that starts again tomorrow. If you'd be interested in doing that, just mentoring and tutoring kids and just loving on them. Um, there's just been a lot of neat opportunities that have happened through the Dream Center. Um, and also, we're, just, we're working to, just to do things in this kind of thing probably this year, even more so about our own benevolence, just for right here in this room, for the people who care. But that's part of what it means to be compassionate. And many of you know, too, if you were here for Christmas, if you were here in December, you know that all month long, we were kind of encouraging all of us to give up a portion of our, of our Christmas budget to actually to go towards all the ministries that we do. And, um, and I know we had huge snowstorms, and, and just want to let you know, if you'd still like to participate in that, you could, just, you could still contribute a check and just write Christmas giving in the memo and send it into the office. But we're hoping to raise thousands of dollars just through that, just by us maybe limiting one gift from our Christmas, that we might be able to help those who are really in need. And then our compassion doesn't just locally, it's, it's globally, which we'll get to as Eric was trying to help us with uh, later. But um, we, we were in Russia working with um, orphans. We're in Honduras um, really trying to minister to a, a really rough um, and tough neighborhood um, in that city, in Tegucigalpa, Honduras. Um, we're down in, Hondu uh, to, in down in New Orleans. Those are the three things that we've made strong commitments to. In this upcoming year, we're going again. Um, so I know the Russian meeting's coming up right, right around the corner. There's another Honduras thing happening right away. We're just we're going to be going to New Orleans again. And so if you want to be a part of those, you can. Um, the one thing I do, I'd love for you to pray about, actually, is this year we're also investigating the possibility of getting involved in Africa. And so back just a couple months ago, it was weird. Like, we'd come to a staff meeting, and almost all of us would have had somebody who was telling us that they were feeling compelled to go to Africa. <laughs> and so we're just kind of perking our ears up because you are actually stirring this pot. Um, and so this year, I don't, we probably won't start anything this year, but we will do the investigation this year of what, because there's a million opportunities in Africa, but we'll be looking at what those would be, and we'd love to have you pray about that with us. Um, 
But this whole idea that Eric was trying to get through in the drama, this global thing, is really a new philosophy that we want to try to understand and try to implement into our, um, into our, our life here as far as missions go as a church. And what that means is this, you guys, is that, um, again, if we're going to be out there, then this cannot be um, church, okay? Now, if you've been here for a while, you hear me say all the time, you don't go to church, you are the church. In America, that doesn't make any sense to us because it's Sunday morning, so I go to church. But what it means to be the church is that when this service is over and you walk out into the world, that's when you're as well. This is church, obviously. But when you walk out into the world... You are being Christ to this world. And every single one of you, when you wake up on Monday morning, you're going to go into a different domain of society is the word that's kind of being used. In other words, some of you are going to wake up and you're going to go into the educational field. Some of you are going to wake up and you're going to go into the technology field. Some of you will wake up and you're going to walk into the communications world. Some of you are artists. Some of you are handyman. We've got everything out there. If we're the body of Christ, if that's what we are, and Christ was on a mission, then really what K2, the church, the body of Christ should be, is that when you walk out in Monday morning, Jesus should go all over Salt Lake City. And he should be in your workplace. He should be in your classroom. He should be in the gym. He should be wherever you go. And here's what's exciting, is we're, we're going to really work on this this year, is how, does, how do you do that? How do I be that? How do I live that out in this world? And then, when we think about doing our missions, this kind of new idea about globalization is instead of taking teams that go and do vacation Bible school or, or teams that maybe go and work on a building, because the reality is, sometimes, some of you guys out there maybe, if we say, hey, we're going to do vacation Bible school for kids, and you're going... All right, I guess I'm not going to Honduras, you know? And some of you hear, well, all right, we're going to go build houses and we're going to work on stuff. And you go, dude, I have no skill on working at anything. And what this idea is here, when you go into your workplace, you are skilled in what you do on Monday. Some of you are actually passionate about your work and you're good at it. And what's happening is over in all these countries around the world, the skills that you have and the things you're passionate about are needed. And so instead of taking groups that just go do projects, what we're thinking about doing, and this is not our idea, this is somebody else's idea that we're kind of piggybacking on, is wouldn't it be cool if we found a city that we could adopt as a church? And if they needed engineers, then a group of engineers would actually go over and help. If they needed some educators, then some teachers would get together and you would go that all of a sudden you would start to meet the people in this body who share the same passion and skill as you do, and you could encourage each other in your own domain right here in the United States in Salt Lake City, but as well, you could do this across the world. Because guys know this, it's true, the world is becoming flat. Many of you, when you walk into your office on Monday, you're going to talk to people who live around the world. This is one of the greatest opportunities in all of history for the good news of Jesus Christ to get out because the world is easy access now. And so we're just trying to figure that out. And I would, just, I would love your prayers um, as, we, as we investigate this and, and dig deeper into what it might mean and as we figure out how to equip you to go out of here, to really be the church in the world and to be out there. And that's our passion and that's what we want to see happen. Now, 
So that's the whole compassionate side of things and, and how we do things. The other side of being out there is this whole idea of wanting to, every single person to know about the good news of Christ. And so, bear with me, I'm dehydrating today. So basically, what we're doing is we're committed to providing as many opportunities as we can. And so a year and a half ago, in the fall, we did a, a campaign that we called Discover More. And we were raising money um, to be able to expand because we knew that if, if, if you guys look, I mean, this, this service right here is always packed. And so if, it's, if people want to continue to come in here, we wouldn't have room to do that. And we want to reach as many people as possible. So we did this campaign to say we're going to bring in funds so that we can expand, either find another building or increase size or and plant campuses and churches. And a year and a half ago, we raised $5.1 million, which, again, if you're new here and haven't heard that, I mean, that's amazing. Now, that's $5.1 million in pledge, okay, so it still has to come in. But that type of commitment was amazing. For a church this size, it's only three years old, to say we will pledge to give $5.1 million to not be about ourselves, but to continue to reach the world was incredible. And I just want to tell you, right now, we've already brought in $2 million of that, of that money, which is really, yeah, that's, now that's really awesome. Very, very exciting. So we have at our disposal right now $2 million to expand, to reach more people. So how many of you have been over in the White Warehouse over there? All right? A lot of you. Awesome. Very cool. If you haven't, just pop in and look over there because we are hoping by Easter, so in just a few months, that we are going to have that building completely ready. Pray for that because there's all these permits and all that stuff. But, um, but pray that we will have that building done. And we are so excited for our Venture Canyon, because Dave Elsog has had dreams and plans and things he wants to do. And now we're finally going to have the space and the room to be able to really div this up, and we're going to be cranking that place out and creating an amazing place for our kids over in Adventure Canyon. Our youth ministry is going to be able to use the, the uh, auditorium over there, the other warehouse. So they're going to have a whole huge new space, which is going to be very, very cool. And, um, and for us, what that means is starting probably in April, that we will have services in that warehouse and in this warehouse at the same time. And that's going to help it. Now, you guys who come to this middle service, this one's packed. We do have some room in the other ones. But the reason you're here is because this is the key time. This is the right time to come to church. And so when we have our services, we're going to be able to do them at 930. We're going to have two services going on at 930. So we're going to have double capacity at 930. And then we're going to have two services going on at 1130. And all four of those services now will be at max time. So instead of three... We have four, so we're increasing our space, but we're also making it at optimum times for people to come. And so we are really, really excited about that. And so, man, please pray, please pray for this process, and maybe offer your hands as well if you have any skill so that we can get this puppy done um, by Easter. And then, if you've been here at all, you know as well that sometime by the end of this year, we're going to be planning our South Campus, which was Mr. Marshall up here. And so, uh, we are really excited about that. Andy is going to be leading that campus um, down south. And uh, last month in December, we brought in a guy from Germany, Christian Kocherscheidt. I don't know if you guys remember him. But uh, we offered him the position, and he has accepted. Uh, Yeah, which is very, very cool. And, uh, and, man, I just want to say um, part of the reason I offered it to him was because I got, I had so much unsolicited um, emails and phone calls and comments from you all saying, man, hire that guy. So, uh, so we did. <laughs> and um, so he has to finish up his job. He's the National Director for Athletes in Action in Germany. So he has to finish that up and then get his kids through school. So they'll be joining us this summer. 
And how this is going to work is Andy will be the campus pastor of the south one. Christian will be the campus pastor of this location. And then my job becomes to be the lead pastor over just kind of all of K2, no matter where we go, no matter, you know, because we'll be planting more. And so we'll all be speaking at all the campuses. You know, it's not like Andy's just down south. He'll be up here as well speaking. I'll be at both of them, all that kind of stuff. So it's not, it's, it'll be the same thing in both locations, but we're just trying to reach out to more people. And that's what's most exciting to me is to know that people now who really won't make the drive will now have another option to hear about the fact that they could know God. And, and that's what we're doing. All right? So that's the whole out there piece. The second thing um, is being tight. And I know for me, um, when, before we ever moved out to Salt Lake, I, I felt like God made it really clear to me. Well, this focus tight out there. We had this before we moved out here. And, um, but I feel like God made it really clear to me. Dave? This tight piece, this is going to be the hardest one. <laughs> because, like, when you focus on Jesus, he's perfect, you know? You get your eyes on him, it's usually a really good thing to see. Take a look around. When we start looking at each other, yeah, there should be a lot more laughter, actually. <laughs> when we start to look at each other, there are some huge flaws Dealing with Jesus is usually just our, well, not, no, not usually, is always our problem, not his problem. When we deal with each other, we're bringing all our junk, and the person you're dealing with is bringing all their junk. You know what? It is hard to be tight. It's hard to be in relationship with each other. And I, I just, that's why we have strongly encouraged over and over and over again, especially on the crash, to tell each other, man, we've got to speak truth to each other. We got to give grace to each other. We got to cover each other's backs. Because here's the deal, you guys, and, I, and I'll say it again. I've only guaranteed you one thing as your pastor, and that is I guarantee you, if you get to know me, I will let you down. I just will. And guess what? If I actually get to know you, you're going to let me down. You will. So my whole question has been, so what are we going to do when that happens? Not if, hey, let's pretend we got this happy church with lots of cheesy people in it. No. What are you going to do if you're going to be real and try to bring sinful people together in relationship? My question has been, when it happens, not if, when it happens, are we going to love each other? Here's what it takes, you guys, to be tight. It takes a lot of love. And I'm not talking human love. Because human love always goes, well, if you do this, then, right? That's what human love says. If you're good enough, I'll stay here. If you do this, if... You know what? God's love says, hey, guess what? There isn't a single day you've ever lived where you met my standard. There's not one day where you lived holy your whole life. And I love you. I don't know about you. I need the love of God. And that's why I've said it up here before. You will not nothing but mercy in this place. And you will get grace because we're going to need it, and we're going, to be, we're going to need to forgive each other. And I want to tell you this. When, not if, when someone in this church hurts you, what you need to remember is how many times in that day did you hurt Jesus? How many times? Right? How many times are we supposed to forgive each other? 70 times 7. So you keep a tally until 490, and then the person's done. Right? <laughs> No, 
70 times 7 means you just keep doing it. Why? Are you hoping that, can you imagine if Jesus had a tally of 490? Dude, you're done in like two days. What that means is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Christ, is you're forgiven. And we got to fight to be tight here, you guys. And that means we need to forgive. And we need to give grace. And we need to speak truth in love to one another. And if we can do that, then Jesus gets sight. Because he prayed that if we could actually be one, then the world would know. You guys catch that? If we could actually love each other and be united, then the world would know. Because it would be so weird to have this many people actually love each other. Really. That the world would have to go, I need that. Because every human heart needs to be loved. So let's keep fighting in 208. What? Will you keep fighting with me? And let's keep fighting all the gossip. Let's keep fighting the slander. Let's keep fighting the disinterest. Let's keep fighting. We'll have to fight till the day we die on this one. But I say we do it. So we hired Mary Goldring last year, which was a great move, who's leading our life together. So by the way, just so you know, that coffee cup thing was, you know, all you women who are ready to walk out. So again, hopefully you know that's a joke because of Mary being on our leadership team and Bonnie being on our leadership team um, because these guys are awesome. And she's been, Mary and I meet all the time and we talk in depth about how we can figure this deal out so that you, every one of you in this place, can be tight in a relationship. Can I just say it again? If you just come here on Sunday morning, it's a good start. I guarantee you, if you just come here on Sunday morning, you will never, ever experience the fullness of your faith journey in Christ. We're a body, and we're only as good as we are joined and held together by every supporting ligament. So, my prayer for you is if you're not really connected here yet, there are on-ramps, which are new things that are just fun to meet new people. There are small groups to connect with other people in this place. I want to encourage you, you've got to find this if you want to really grow in Christ. And our goal as a staff is to keep working on that. This whole running partner thing that we introduced last year, I felt like we launched it and then we just kind of let it go. And we realized that and we want to try to grab it and get running partners back in our midst here. So that's the tight piece, you guys. It's critical, and we're going to keep working on it. All right, last thing is to be focused. And I just want to read a passage real quick from uh, Philippians chapter 3. And um, Paul's writing here, and he says this. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. And I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. I didn't do this first service, sorry. I just need a drink of water. All right, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, I forget what's behind, I strain toward what's ahead, and I press on toward the goal 
to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Oh, man. I think why this is hitting me is I really have felt so strongly for so long. And I, uh, my prayer all week long, our prayer this morning for you guys, is if, you, if, if nothing else happens, that maybe in these next 10 minutes, you'd get this. And that's this. If, if, you, if you don't know Christ then you don't have eternal life. He, he says at John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that you may know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. In other words, there is all this stuff that we're doing, missions, compassion, children's ministries, small groups, connections, it's all Crap. And I can say that word because it's in the Bible. Because <laughs> that's what Paul says. When he says the word garbage, it's a lot more intense than that. Let me say this again. It is so easy to do church and to never know Christ. And the activities of the church can be Crap. In fact, they are compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. And I just, I just feel like, man, my dream, our dream as a leadership for you this year is that by the end of 08, every one of you would be able to look back at this year and go, I know Christ more. You know what? I'll be honest with you. I don't care if you're more involved. I don't care if you come on more of a regular basis. What I care about is that you know Christ. And, and so we got to figure this thing out because it's really dangerous. Because I think some, a lot of people say, oh, I love K2. But I don't know if you go, oh, I love Jesus. And nothing sends shivers up our spine more than that. Because, dude, we got nothing to offer you as human beings and as a church except Jesus Christ. And so, if you don't know him and you're checking this place out and you're wondering what, why is this dude like weeping in front of me? Because he and he alone is life. I need him so bad. I'm just, I'm at a point, after 31 years of doing this, I can't live without him. And actually, I, it's, uh, this week it just hit me. I go, I actually don't like that. Because <laughs> I'd really like to be able to just kind of be in control of my life, but I can't anymore. I need him. He's my life. And I just sit there and I think, geez, he's making me vulnerable today. Huh. I just think, I don't know you guys. I don't know who you are. If you come to our church, 
and you like what we do. And you don't see Jesus or fall in love with him or receive him into your life. I just got to tell you, you got nothing. You can, you can go find a group of people to meet with and find good music and fun stuff. God, I want you to find Christ. Because everything else is garbage compared to knowing him. And I'll be honest with you, for me, that's all I care about this year. I said in the first service, if there's anything we're doing that's hindering you from finding Christ, then we'll just stop doing it, including this. <laughs> I, think it's, I, I think it's helping, so we, I don't plan on quitting. But, um, but I, just, I just feel like today you need to know um, how critical it is that you know him. And, um, and as, we, as we move forward, I just want to close with, with one last passage from uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Because the reality is, it's hard to follow Christ, isn't it? I mean, it's hard to know him. Um, this is life down here, and it's difficult. But Hebrews 12 says... Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and if you read chapter 11, it's this great chapter of all these great men and women in Scripture who just who lived a life of faith. They did it. And some of it was great, and some of it was horrific. Some of it was easy and wonderful and glorious, and some of it was really hard. But what they did in chapter 11, it just shows, but they did it. They lived a life of faith. And because of that, God's glory was given to the world. And then, so and then he goes, so there, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And if I, if I can, if you can throw the time up there for me, if I can, just real quick, I just want to run you through some things that I think might be encouraging now, encouraging for us to remember for 08, to really know Christ, to not do church, but to really know Christ. And the first one is this. You guys, we got to remember, 07, like, dude, let's just flip the calendar, right? Forgetting what is behind and let's press on. Let's go for it. I don't know what your 07 was like. I'm sure some of you had a lot of potholes, a lot of distractions, a lot of detours, even had some exit ramps that you decided to take, you know, as you're on your journey with Christ. It's hard. And so how do we get encouraged to keep going? Well, one of the things he says right there is consider these witnesses. We have a great cloud of witnesses. And did you guys know that doesn't mean that they're up there in the spiritual stands in heaven going, woohoo, come on, guys, you can do it. They're not just there watching us. That's not what it means. What it means is they're witnesses to us that it can happen. You can do it. I did it. I walked with Christ faithfully, and so can you. And I don't know about you, read the scriptures and read about these guys, but here's another thing. I don't know if you're one-year-old or two-year-old or five-year-old in your walk with Christ. If you're five years old, find somebody who's like six, Find somebody who's gone through some of the stuff that you now are. 
I tell you, you know how critical, like for me, I've been 31 years in this puppy. There's probably a few things anyway that I could sit there and I could, if I met with you when you're ready to bag it, I could just go, dude, wait, 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 been there. Hold on, I know feelings leave. I've had years of not feeling God, literally. Sometimes the enthusiasm just isn't there. Sometimes it's really tough. And you, what you need is you need people ahead of you. Like for me, I got 31. I'm looking for people who got 32 years. I'm looking for pastors who've ministered for more than 20 and saying, okay, you've been through this. And I tell you, when you find people who've been through it, who haven't done the quick race, right, but who've gone the long distance, it's awesome. Find them, surround yourself with them, talk to them, do whatever you got to do so that you don't bag it. Because that's what Hebrews was written to. This book was written to a bunch of Christians who were fired up for Christ, and now they were bagging him. They couldn't keep going. And even Jesus said that, right? He said when he threw his seed on the ground, he said some of the seed's going to grow up fast, be excited, and then it's going to get choked out by the thorns, by the world, by the pleasures of this world, the temptations of this world, and eventually it'll die out. In Hebrews, this verse is saying, no, you guys don't. Let's keep running because it's about Christ. He is the one who can give you everything. He's the only one that can satisfy you deep within your being. And we have witnesses of people who've been able to do it. And let's look to him. The second thing he says is he says, now we've got to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Because, again, this is a race. And if you're running a race, you guys ever seen the people? And, again, this is a race that isn't just a sprint. I don't know if you guys were in track and you got to do the 50-yard dash. You know, whippy. You know, this, this word is the word we get agony from. It's the never-ending race. It's the marathon. Right? It's the one that keeps going forever. You ever seen a person who runs a marathon? Right? They got like no fat. They're just a skinny, like beanpole people, right? And they wear hardly nothing. In fact, in the ancient days when Paul wrote this, they literally wore nothing when they ran the race because they wanted to make sure that there was nothing hindering them. Nothing. So when Paul would write this, throw off everything that hinders when you're racing, believe me, they had nude people in their mind. They go, oh, I get that. You take off everything and you go for it. Okay? You guys, throwing off the things that hinder, these are not bad things. Things that hinder us from really running the race are actually good things. They're actually, well, they can be good things. They're neutral things, like relationships or recreation, how you spend your time with your job. There's money as a neutral thing that can be either great and used as a focus for Christ or totally distract you from him. And what Paul says is, if you guys may know what they are right now, if you've got anything in your life that's distracting you from running the race, then throw it off. If, if Jesus isn't the focus of your life, if your job is, if your relationships are, if your recreation is, if that's what you spend your energy and your time and your focus on, then you got to throw that off. Because that's not going to satisfy you. We'll, we all like it. That's why we do it. We go after these things, and they give us partly what we want, but they don't satisfy our soul. And then he says, now we got some things that hinder you, but there's also some things that entangle you. And you guys, you can't run a race if you're entangled. And that's sin. If there's sin in your life, right now, then you will trip, you will fall. Or maybe you're so entangled you can't even get up and run. And I just wonder for 2008, you guys, if we could make this 
decision right here, right now, maybe even today, before God and say, God, I convince, I, I, I'll, I'll just tell you, I am totally hindered. Hindered. In fact, this one guy said, all of you who work out, when you go out and work out this week, take a backpack and fill it up with books as much as you can and put it on your backpack and then go try to work out. And every time you feel a little hindered, think about, that's what these things do to me. I can't fully function in my spiritual life. And you guys, here's the greatest news, right? If you've got sin in your life, if you've gone off the exit, off the off-ramp, and you've gone off, Jesus Christ has already paid for all that sin. You don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to get better. You simply need to confess that it is sin and turn around and repent and come back to God. And his arms are wide open to every one of us at any time. And if Christ is our life, but your life is something other than him, I think today might be the day to just let him know. I confess this is my sin or this is the thing that's hindering me and I want to come back. And then verse 2, and we'll close with this. He says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, guys, I don't know, again, this is great because I don't know most of you, but in your spiritual journey, if you're like me, in your spiritual journey, there will be times, like I said before, when you don't feel it, when problems arise, when you get tired, when it's not exciting. And you know what happens when you're a human being, when that happens? Immediately, you start to turn back to what you used to live. You know, we, all of us who have been Christian, we love to laugh at the Israelites, right? I can't believe they wanted to go back to slavery in Egypt after they were released. Next time you laugh about that, just remember, that's the same thing we do. What we do, as soon as it gets hard or tired, is we turn back. Our eyes get off Christ, and we start looking at other things. We look back at our own life, and we're tempted to go back to what we used to do. Or we start looking around us where the grass is always greener. And we start thinking, oh, maybe if I did that, I'd feel better. Or maybe if I did that, that would satisfy me. And next thing you know, Christ is a side thought. Even though he's the only one who can deeply satisfy your soul. And so, this year, for 2008, as a staff, as a leadership, and as here, we're going to do everything we can to help you to know how you can actually know Christ. Because here's the deal, you guys. Once you know him, once he's in you and he's alive in you, then you do all these other things that we're talking about. Then you do serve. Then you do care about other people. Then you do go and help do compassionate things. That's just because that's what Christ does. So once he's alive in you, you actually just do them. Some of you may be sitting there and going, man, I feel like I'm guilty because I have to do this and I have to do that. You don't have to do anything. You don't. There's only one thing you need to do. The work of God is to believe in Christ and to get him in. So we're going to try and help you to know how to do that. In fact, after we just planned our next series, so literally for the next four months of this church, we're going to be looking at that specific issue of how can you know Christ? How can you walk out of here, wake up tomorrow morning, 
and actually experience him. Have his peace when you're anxious and when you're worried and when you're fearful. Have his wisdom. Have his guidance. Have a sense that he's with you. Because you know what I think what happens, you guys, is so many of us, you walk out of here, you get filled up on Sunday, and then it's a slow leak, right? Until next Sunday, okay, good. Next Sunday, and then it's a slow leak. Can I be totally honest with you? You know what it is for me? To me, it's a Monday, and I ramp all the way up until Sunday. My greatest moments with God are alone. And if you've never tasted what it's like to know God when you're alone, you don't know him yet. And that's okay. It's why we're here. But I want to tell you, you can know him when you're at home with your family, when you're in your workplace, every second of every day. And we're going to do everything in the every fiber of our being to help you know how to do that. We're going to try to equip you to know Christ. Because everything else, even church activity, is garbage without it. So, Bam, why don't you guys come on up? And I want to give us, and this is really important to me, these last 15 minutes. I hope it's important to you. I want to give us 15 minutes to just sit with this thought. In 2008, at K2, the church, could I actually know Christ this year more than I do right now? Could I pursue him, open my heart to him, confess all my sin to him so it can be completely wiped out, so I can run the race marked out for me with nothing hindering me? And just to give you a chance to say, Jesus, be the center of my life. I don't want my job. I don't want my family. I don't want my own pleasure to be the center of my life. I want you to be the center of of my life. You're the one who created me. You're the one who sustains me. You're the one who gives me and satisfies my soul like no other can. And so we're actually going to take our offering while we do this. I thought this was a perfect time because if you're prepared to give today, please don't look at this as just, oh, yeah, it's the offering and throw your money in. No, this is one more. This is your way to say, all of me, Jesus, all of me is you. If you're visiting today, don't worry about the fine. We never, we're never here for your money. This giving, if you're giving to K2, you're giving for the wrong reasons. You're actually giving your finances to God to say, thank you for blessing me. And I trust you with them to use as you want. So if you're going to do that, let's do that. But we're going to worship together. And I ask, like most of our leadership team who can sing, Eric's not up here, but the rest of us to, um, to come up here and to lead this time to kick into 2008 with worship unto God to say, Jesus, really? I don't want to play the church game anymore. If some of you are weary and tired of church, I'm telling you, it's because your soul needs Jesus. And uh, that maybe this is the day that we can all say from this point on, this year, together, together, we're going to know Christ. And I'm going to give it everything we got to run this race with perseverance. So let's worship him. You can, last week, man, I just had to sit with my head in my hands the whole time. If that's what you need to do, do that. But if you need to stand, whatever you got to do, please don't just sing songs. Get your heart connected to the one who's here in this moment right now and who loves you to death, literally. And let's worship him.